Welcome to Hop To It. Hey, Trey. Hi, Nay. Are you ready? Ready for what? To pack our house, take our dog, and hop in the car. We got a car. Don't worry about it. It's time to go. Let's go explore and find a new city to call home. Because we are Nay and Trey. The alchemist and the shaman. And it's time for us to hop hop to to it. it. It's that time again, our rating episode. That's right. After two weeks exploring Flagstaff, Arizona, this is the episode where we talk about how Flagstaff scored using our proprietary top secret algorithm. Ideal world. Whichever city we rate the highest is the one we'll move to and call home. But we like to mix the mundane and a little bit of magic and use our intuition. So we'll leave a little bit of room for that too. Here's how it works. For each city, We rate 16 individual categories that matter to us on a scale of worst to best, generating a score of up to 100 possible points, but no place is perfect. Please remember, this is our personal experience with staying in Flagstaff, and it may be completely opposite to yours. Know that we respect your lived experience, and we really hope you'll do the same for us. If you want more details for how we rated Flagstaff, Arizona, check out our blog at hoptoit.fm forward slash blog. The link is in the show notes. So tell me, Trey, how did the City of Seven Wonders, City in the Pines, Dark Sky City score? So funny. I never heard that while we were there. Didn't the locals just call it Flagtown or just Flag? I wonder who thought it was dark. Yeah, I I was wondering about that too. So I looked it up. Dark Sky City is actually an official accreditation by the Dark Sky community. Any guesses about what the Dark Sky community does? I mean, it sounds so (laughs) deep cover. I'm thinking like dark web, dark net, (laughs) you know, dark society. Close, but not (laughs) even close at all. Uh, Basically, the community works to keep light pollution down so that you can enjoy the starry night skies. I thought that was awesome. That's pretty sweet. But back to the point, how did the staff score? Well, too early to reveal that now, but stick around for our official rating near the end. All right, let's dive into some of the low scoring categories. Can you believe Flag didn't get any ones at all? Ones being our worst score? No, that's so wild. Now, Weather got a rating of two but I'm surprised it didn't get a rating of one as unacceptable. It was snowing. (laughs) True. (laughs) I mean, snow isn't all that bad though, is it? As long as you don't have to scrape off your car, shovel the driveway, Mm -hmm. uh, drive on icy roads to work, freeze your buns off while walking from point A to point B. It's not that bad. As long as you get to stay at home and drink hot tea. (laughs) Right, some cider. (laughs) Yeah, I'm fully adjusted to living in parts of California with no snow. I mean, we did come from Colorado, but I was so happy we didn't have to have coats. Now we have to have coats. (laughs) Yeah, I was not looking forward to seeing snow, but I will say that the moment it started snowing while we were there, I was so excited. I was I shocked myself by how excited I was to see snow falling for the first time in years. Yeah. So. That was very cute. Part of me loves it, I guess. (laughs) You were buzzing around like the first time. It was so wild. 
And even though the snowy tops of the San Francisco peaks of Flagstaff are really, really freaking beautiful, I did not love the walks I took where there was just icy cold wind blowing in my face, Mm. making my cheeks hurt. I haven't felt that in so long. Pass. But this this aspect of Flagstaff really surprised me. Uh, Turns out Flagstaff, because of its elevation, stays a lot cooler than the rest of Arizona. And I think that would come in really handy during the hot summer months when I hear places like Phoenix stay in the triple digits for weeks at a time. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I was ignorant about the weather. I thought it would be one big hot desert. Yeah, the moment we crossed into Arizona. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I kind of did too. I really never associated Arizona with snow or Mm. skiing. And they even had the Arizona Snow Bowl, which was... I don't know, maybe 30 minute drive from Flagstaff. It was close enough that they had uh, ski shops in Flagstaff. So it couldn't have been that far. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, that all blew my mind. I had no idea people were skiing in Arizona. On snow. (laughs) I could see them skiing on the sand. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, But the cold, I mean, sometimes it was more than I could bear. Remember that night we went to Pizza Patio? We had dinner, and there's this one musician who set up shop he was like a solo guitarist singer songwriter kind of guy you and i and oscar were the only people on the patio Mm -hmm. and they didn't have any of the fire pits going and i froze like (laughs) we were there for a good long while because it took a while to get our food and then afterwards we were chit-chatting with the musician as his only audience members totally he was just Really professional musician, played even though really nobody was there <laughs> to listen, but it was good. It was good. Yeah. But it was just so cold that night. Um, I even bundled Oscar up in my top layer of my coat. I have a shell and then a puffy undercoat, and I bundled him up in the top layer. Yeah, that was very nice. She lays down her coat for Oscar <laughs> to sit on. He needed it, though, so it was a really nice idea. Yeah, but you needed it, too, so <laughs> we're a little underprepared. Yeah, we both needed it. He was shivering, though, so yeah. it's like, and we were still waiting for food, so I had to do something. But then afterwards, ch- chatting for so long, we walked home, and I took, like, at least two hours to warm up after <laughs> that excursion. That was freezing. It was so cold. Yeah. Ugh. So pain, painfully cold. Yeah. We have to remember how to do these things in the cold, right? It's like probably not the best idea to sit on the patio in winter. Or maybe when we were Colorado natives, we just sat out there and didn't notice. I can't remember. I do remember several times going to the bars in Colorado wearing like bar clothes, which is like short skirts and (laughs) heels and then standing out waiting for a taxi in the cold and freezing. My buns off. <laughs> Just used to freezing when you live there, huh? It's been so long. Yeah. Uh, but we were able to find seats, so it was easy. You know, we were just kind of silly Californians out there freezing on the patio. Yeah. Love it. I just wish they'd turn on their fire pits. Yeah, that was a bummer. It was all there, just not on. Yeah. <laughs> the worst thing about winter is it limits what we can do outside. Like, we're in a small place now, but... It's cold outside, so we can't really get outside. But in warmer climates, a small place wouldn't be a big deal because we can just be outside. But with the weather hovering above zero degrees, who wants to be out there right now? So weather can be a factor in the living situation. Yeah. 
Luckily, not every day in Flagstaff is freezing. I mean, armed in my puffy jacket, we did get out on the trails quite a bit. I feel like California has spoiled us so much. You hardly ever have to think about weather there. Mm -hmm. It's like usually 60 to 70 degrees and unlikely anything is happening. (laughs) So, Totally. uh, Four seasons be damned. I know there's a lot of like lore and legend around four seasons, but I don't I don't know if I'm into it. <laughs> right. I am into the whole four seasons thing, but not to live there, I guess. Like warm weather has its advantages, and that's definitely part of our strategy when it comes to picking a home. Yeah. Right. The we'll reduce the house size if the weather's warmer, because then we just we can do more outside, you know? And we're gonna pick a place that has things to do. So it's a trade off. But hopefully it's also like a trade-off in living cost because I yeah. think places that are warmer are a little bit more expensive. Yeah. So true. you get a smaller place and then enjoy the the views, the nature. Yeah. Enjoy the great outdoors, including yep. all of the restaurant patios that are warm. Yes. <laughs> like in Hawaii, they have outdoor kitchens. Yeah. Like you get really warm. You can just flip the script. Outdoor showers. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, the whole thing. so sweet. Wait, is Hawaii on our agenda? <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't it? If we get sponsored, heck yeah. <laughs> Doing it. The other benefit of living in a warmer climate is you don't have the problem of paying for your cooling bills all summer. Mm. Or if it's really nice, like Berkeley, you don't pay for heating either most most of the winter. That means your price for heating and cooling is lower. But also the more importantly, heating and cooling is like the biggest uh, part of carbon emissions from buildings. Mm. So if you're not using those things, you're not contributing as much to the carbon problem. So... Smart. I think it's a win, win, win. Let's all move to a nice climate, everybody. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously weather is important, but what weight do we give weather in our scoring system? I can't well, remember. we do weight our categories by importance, right? So we have a low importance, medium, and high. Weather got medium in our proprietary algorithmic system. <laughs> Love that algorithm. Don't hate the algorithm. (laughs) It's been helpful, I think. Uh, But that's exactly what I was expecting. I figured weather would be a weighted category. Mm -hmm. And really good weather, which is not too hot and not too cold, is actually harder to come by than I expected. You know, that's one thing we do with internet research. And one reason we didn't go to other Arizona cities was because we knew they were just going to be too darn hot. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's getting harder to come by like perfect weather cities as climate change takes hold, too. So, yeah, I don't think any place will be perfect or it'll get something that it's not used to. I think we gave San Diego a perfect five for weather. <laughs> nice. It was pretty perfect. <laughs> so maybe that that's it. That's perfect. The yeah. end. Hawaii probably also. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to improve the system and add a six. A if six. we went to Hawaii. <laughs> better than the best let's move on to another low scoring category walkability oh well flag walkability was below average unfortunately uh typical because it was like city subdivisions right so you drive everywhere here drive here drive there get out do some more driving yeah definitely a city built more for cars than for pedestrians Mm -hmm. and we knew for sure that we were in trouble 
when we found our Airbnb because it was at the end of a cul-de-sac up several windy roads with switchbacks. Yeah. I think we're getting paid back for talking bad about cul-de-sacs. Oh, I know we are. <laughs> this is karma. We're like next to a railroad track, yeah. <laughs> which we talked about in our previous episodes. Yeah. We're in a cul-de-sac, which you talk bad about. So karma, it's coming for us. Yeah. I think this is the dark side of manifestation. Yep. Things we're like, we talking about coming true. <laughs> yeah. You talk about us badly, well, you're going to get it. <laughs> Happened. Well, I was just grateful that I was able to walk out our front door to a segment of the Arizona Trail because otherwise there was absolutely nowhere to go from our house without hopping into a car. I was so lucky. Now, our Airbnb wasn't near downtown, but as we got out more, I was very happy to see bike lanes. Like if you're going to have low walkability, at least plan for safe biking, right? Like, Yeah. I kind of have to joke, back in my day, we used to hold on to the back of cars and you just let go when you got to your house. Did you do that on your skateboard? <laughs> I did in New York City, but that's not like, that was just because I was a crazy teenager. Yeah, mom, don't listen. I was holding on to buses in Brooklyn. Oh my gosh. I don't think that. Crazy story, actually. It reminds yeah. me when I was young in Brooklyn, kids used to actually jump on to the back of the public city bus. Mm -hmm. and hold on to the grill no lie and it wasn't like some crazy event that everybody was doing but to kind of not pay and just go i don't know what they were doing it was nuts <laughs> well i don't think that strategy would work very well for the neighborhood we were staying in in flagstaff because no. there was no traffic <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> you'd be waiting an awful long time for that bus <laughs> hey man i'm just trying to think too was there even a bus stop i feel like i saw one on the corner but I didn't see any buses. No, there is. I did that. not see buses in our neighborhood. Uh-uh. Mm -mm. Wow. I mean, we saw them downtown, but not in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, the other difficult thing about walkability in Flagstaff is that there, the way the city is structured, it's on a mountain, right? Yeah. And so you have these streets that you have to take the wrong way to go the right way. So <laughs> even just to get out of our neighborhood, we had to go the wrong way for like, I don't know, a few minutes mm -hmm. before doing a switch back to go the right way. And those kind of street structures were happening everywhere. This was partly because it was a mountain town, partly because the um, railroad track went right through the city. So there was like a little big roundabout ways to get past the tracks. Yeah. Uh, that Remember means, what? When we got stuck behind the train crossing yeah. and when the train track just cuts town in half. So everybody was just stuck trying to make a right turn. Yeah. That is pretty much the only version of traffic I saw in that city, though. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the back of the train back up. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, this kind of like double back, switch back setup means not only is it not walkable because you're going to take forever to even go like a mile. Like it, yeah. it, I would map it and it would be like, oh, you want to go to that coffee shop a mile away? Okay, that'll be like two hours. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Unless you're a crow, right? Yeah, you can fly there. Yeah. yeah. And then it doubles your driving time too. So everything just took a little longer and we used up our charge so fast, yeah. so fast there anytime we went out. And it was just pretty much to get out of the neighborhood. Yeah. Crazy. So since it's a college town, I think they actually did a great job if you were in the school, right? So it seemed like all the walkability was really geared around the college in yeah. the downtown area. So we'd like park at the shopping centers and it was really easy to walk. But 
anything outside of that, good luck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just a typical city setup where you have your center of town and then your neighborhood's on the outskirts. So everybody's driving in unless, you know, you're living in the center of town, which some people were. Yep. But, you know, when we look at real estate, those weren't the houses that were in the affordable price range. So. No, that's true. Yeah. It's a trade-off. <laughs> and we were really lucky that we did find a charge point charging station, which was 100% free. Hadn't experienced that to date. Right. And it was located right across the street from the library. So it, I think it was city worker parking yes. until 5 p.m. And then it was like open to everybody. And nobody was down there after the workers left. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. It was score. Yeah. So we would park there. And from there, everything was walkable because we would walk to downtown and we used that parking spot to find some really cool trails. Mm -hmm. So we could do a lot of walking from that center point. Totally. So even though we used up charge to get there, it was nice to charge and go back home while we were doing whatever. Yup. All right, let's move on to our high scores. Woo, woo, woo. Um, Flagstaff got a total of three perfect scoring categories. It's not the highest we've seen. I think Berkeley got like eight and San Diego got eight perfect fives. But yeah, something like that. Yeah, Flagstaff got three. So didn't get a lot of ones, didn't get a lot of fives. It was like kind of an average place, I guess. Yeah, the power of average. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those... Three categories that got perfect scores are Parks and Rec, Natural Beauty. Obviously, those two are not very surprising, but I think mm -hmm. this third one is a little bit surprising. Coffee. What? It even scored better for coffee than a lot of big, bigger cities did. So, yeah, true. Well, I'll start off with the Natural Beauty and the Parks and Rec, right? Like, I loved how Flagstaff had a beautiful Frisbee disc golf course. The park was called Thorpe Park Sports and Recreation Complex, but it was so big. Maybe mm -hmm. that's where the complex came from, but you couldn't see through to the other side of the park. It was more like a forest look than anything else. And actually a discourse with trees are great obstacles. Like you can have them open hills and trees are some of the best disc golf courses for sure. Yeah. That looked like a course that was really designed for elite disc golfers <laughs> yes well okay the two sides are they have concrete pads for you to throw off of and they have actual maps at every uh t so it was beautiful you could tell where you need to go uh, the ones that they just throw up usually just have a basket yeah you just figure it yeah. out it beautiful. was epic and also it was like this long winding trail so we were just on it because we we're taking a hike after work yeah. And we were dodging frisbees too. <laughs> I'm so oblivious. I swear. The next time I go into a disc golf course, I'm gonna get a frisbee to my head. Like right. I don't even notice them. You're all, you're the one that's like, hey, move. <laughs> I know. I was like, they were th so it's always scary when people throw a disc, but yeah, I'm telling you to watch out. <laughs> <laughs> if you can if you can dodge a disc, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> right, it was a test. It was a test. <laughs> so there were trails everywhere. I think for me, that was the unexpected delight for Flagstaff. I had mm. no idea there was going to be so many trail systems and I could have stayed two more weeks just to do more hiking because there was that many options. Um, I keep mentioning the Arizona trail, yep. but let me explain a little bit more. The Arizona trail is a trail that crosses the entire state from North to South. 
And I found out that Flagstaff is literally the only urban portion of that trail. So this is the only place that trail intersects with a city. And it's pretty much in our backyard. It is in our backyard. And it just felt so special to have that access. And then as I realized what an extensive trail this was, I started looking for other access points because if it goes through the whole state, obviously behind our house isn't the only access point. So my very favorite was already at this amazing place called Buffalo Park. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, they have this like big loop that you can walk and it's a really nice, like easy hike. Yeah. Um, I went there again though and I realized at the back end of the loop, so instead of like looping back, mm-hmm. it intersects with Arizona Trail. Nice. And so Oscar and I took it out a little ways and I realized I was so excited when I saw this. It goes into the Cococino National Forest. You guys so. are so adventurous. This <laughs> is are. just a dog walk. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was a morning walk. So we have this access point that goes into the National Forest, which is like, the wild segment of Arizona Trail and the other segments are all urbanized, which means they're like really well maintained. They have like easy gravel paths. This place immediately was like giant boulders, <laughs> enormous trees, like mud. It was so much more fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> more adventure. It was a lot more adventure. So I loved it. It was a, a magical moment for me just stepping out of this urban trail system into the national forest without any effort. Like it was just there. Wow. Well, the Arizona trail was completely amazing to me. More the idea of it than, you know, we didn't walk it, but the idea of hiking from one end of the state to the other end of the state was great. And I always joked about like just leaving you out there, picking you up in a couple <laughs> weeks. <you know? laughs> I wonder where you'd have to pick me up if I was gone, gone for a couple of weeks. I wonder how far I can make it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you would try. <laughs> <laughs> now, the hiking and other things just started to remind me of uh, Colorado. Flagstaff and towns in Colorado had a bit of a twinning experience for me. They felt very similar because like, one thing I loved about Colorado was all the nature and how it would kind of creep in to cities. And I felt that again in Flagstaff. Yeah, I agree. I could totally see that. I felt like I was in a Colorado mountain town when we were in Flagstaff. It Mm. reminded me a little bit of like Silverthorne maybe, Um, especially like the downtown had like that rustic wild west feeling to it. Yeah. And then you were surrounded on all sides by mountains and uh, hiking trails. So not a bad place. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing we should mention about the parks and rec category, where there was all these amazing outdoor museums. And one example is the Walnut Canyon National Monument. We literally picked this up on Google Maps with no prior knowledge of what it was. Mm-hmm. And I just chose it because it was close to home. It was like maybe eight minute drive, maybe yeah. 15 at most from our house. And it looked cool, looked pretty, had good reviews. Mm -hmm. But when we rolled up, we realized it was even more amazing than we expected. Totally. That was such a win. Like I got some really good pictures of the Sanagua community cliff dwelling in this national monument. I love how you call it an outdoor museum, though. Like seeing this and the other sites of indigenous people in Arizona really drew out a connection for me. Like 
I've heard from family members that we have uh, some Native American in our lineage, yeah. Seminole and Crow Indian. So uh, the respect that they have here for the indigenous people was really inspiring because it's like really in America, we've built over all the homes that yeah. were indigenous people. You know? It was beautiful to see that. Like there was a lot of um, the just preservation efforts yeah. to try to keep these dwellings. They're ancient dwellings. They were like thousands of years old. And they've really worked to make sure that they're there, that they're untouched. Well, you know, they're maintained. As best as possible. Yeah, you know, there you go. Maintained, but yeah. they're maintained. And so we really got this beautiful experience of like, first of all, that island trail at the top where we could bring Oscar. Mm -hmm. We would look over into this shockingly steep canyon. And on the far side of the canyon, you see the cliff dwellings. And they're just like little squares in the rock. So you yeah. could tell they were man-made, but otherwise they're like surprising that they were even there on these steep, steep, steep cliffs into this canyon. And then we both took separate walks yeah. down to the dwellings because that part was not dog friendly, which totally makes sense because they're really trying to preserve these trails and there were yeah. some steep drop-offs. Probably would be kind of dangerous to cross people. That's so true. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, when I was down there, it was really neat because I actually went inside one of the dwellings and like the walls were all black because of the fires that they'd held inside the dwellings. And then you get this new perspective out, like looking out your big picture window into the beautiful natural surroundings. Yeah, those are some, you know, if you think of them like houses, those are some houses with great views. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> I didn't walk into any of those. Uh, but I definitely took pictures. It was beautiful. Yeah, we'll but, definitely share some pictures of these in this week's newsletter. Um, should definitely do that, yeah. But I think what was most amazing to me was that they were preserved after so long and it made me start thinking about the, the stone in the area because how on earth did this not crumble after oh. hundreds or thousands of years? Yeah. And I think I was really referencing mentally like the earth in California, which is so much more soft. And like, it feels like it would be harder to preserve something in that earth. Mm. Just a thought. Right. Going to have to be scientists now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, next episode. Nay and Trey become scientists. Right. YouTube University. Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on to the final perfect five category. It's coffee and cafes. Now, I was shocked that Flagstaff pulled this one off. I really was. I agree. It's not that big, kind of small. But I think the surprising amount of coffee selections come because of the college, right? Mm. Just like coffee spawned the French Revolution, <laughs> if you know the history of your coffee. <laughs> I wonder if that's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. Actually, so the idea of uh, people having caffeine and being mm -hmm. able to stay up later because of this tea and coffee that was coming in from like the Silk Roads and stuff actually had a little bit of influence over like the French Revolution because people could sit and plot late at, Love late it. at night. And that's what we're looking for in our coffee shops. We want to see a bunch of people sitting and plotting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I want people talking and coming up with revolutionary ideas and art. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the other thing that really won me over in the coffee category was we went to this place called Lund Canyon Coffee. It was a cold, mm -hmm. cold Flagstaff morning. We were trying to do a little exploration, but boy, it is hard to explore when it's so cold out. 
Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I was just looking at this coffee shop like, okay, we're going to go in there, grab our coffee to go. I'm going to wait outside in the cold with Oscar while you do the, you know, <laughs> scavenging for coffee. <laughs> and you walked out. You're like, hey, there's dogs in there. Yeah, not just one. <laughs> like, there's a couple dogs. Yeah. That was so, so sweet. It was like, yes, we can go inside a coffee house. And not to mention, we go in, there's like this big golden retriever greeting everybody. <laughs> there's other dogs. They have bowls set up inside. Customers then, have treats for the dogs. Yes. <laughs> and I think partly because there were dogs in there, it was also a really communal kind of vibe. People were talking to each other. People were talking to us. You know, mm. it felt like a real coffee shop and the coffee was really good. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. Any place that lets us bring Oscar in gets extra points for sure. Like we only stayed for two weeks, so we didn't get a chance to hit all the coffee shops, but they had 19 with just 11 downtown, not counting Starbucks. So I love when a city has coffee shops with character and distinction. Yeah, yeah so many of them. 11 downtown. Yeah. 19 total. I mean, when you said 19 coffee shops, I actually had to go count up the number of coffee shops in Berkeley because I know there was a ton. When we walked out our door, we could go to at least five. Nice. Uh, but it turns out there's only 20 coffee shops in Berkeley. So, Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Flagstaff has a lot of coffee per capita, maybe because it's cold. You need some hot, hot coffee. <laughs> and honestly, I get a little FOMO when I look at the map of all the places we didn't get to explore. Yeah. I, you know, but you know what? The reality is two weeks is just not enough time to explore a city. We barely even got a taste of what Flagstaff has to offer. And I really wish we'd had the opportunity to spend more time there. Yes, the stay in Flagstaff only happened because we wanted to be near Sedona. It was the main reason to stay in Arizona. I wanted to feel the energy vortexes. <laughs> Is that what they sound like? <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of like... <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Yeah, there you go. We were really close to skipping Arizona, like all together, remember? Yes. We mentioned last episode how many different places we looked and tried to book in Arizona. But what we didn't mention was that we nearly bypassed the state altogether and went into Nevada instead. <laughs> that was funny. Oh, I'm glad we didn't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Nevada would have been cool, but I'm glad we got to be here my question is, would we choose to do a two-week stay in a city again on this journey? I'm actually happy we gave this place two weeks. It was enough time to rest from our previous hop. It definitely isn't enough time to slow travel like we're trying to do. But I, I think like, so I think a month gives a truer feel for whether a place is worth living in. Yeah, I agree. I would have preferred a month. I'm glad we got two weeks, but I would have preferred a month. And you know, another thing I'm noticing, it's a little bit more exhausting to pack up and go after only two weeks. It came and went so fast. I feel yeah. like we just landed. So I like the month because I like to have a little more time to forget that we're moving. <laughs> oh, goddess. Yes. I remember hearing about a person that was moving like every week. When someone added it up, they spent about as much time packing and moving as traveling or enjoying the stay. Now, I exaggerate. But that is something to think about. The two-week stay is also tough for information gathering, right? Like it's mm -hmm. harder to collect all our data with just one weekend. I love how 
in a month. We can really plan a weekend or a day uh, based on something we heard about from people while we were visiting, right? Like my birthday motorcycle tour in Pismo Beach. Yeah. In two weeks, like even if someone recommended something, we yeah. wouldn't have time to organize and figure unless it was something small, but something big, no way. And that happens regularly. Yep. I will say one thing though. I'm really glad we didn't have to stay a single day longer in that Airbnb. We <laughs> had that thing on a countdown from day one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Are uh, we there yet? Is it time to go? Is yeah, it time to go? Like 12 more days, 10 more days. <laughs> All right. All that said, let's reveal our final score, knowing there's a big caveat here due to the fact that we were only in Flagstaff for two weeks. So the score may not be totally fair, but it's the best we could do with the time we had. You ready? All right. Let's get a drum roll, please. Only half as much roll since it's only two weeks. <laughs> I'll try to edit that in. I don't know. All right. 68. 68. That's weird. 68 is the same exact score that we gave to our favorite California vacation spot, Pismo Beach. I don't know. Something seems fishy about that. <laughs> well, Flagstaff was affordable, and that is better than any other place we've been so far. So, like, it's a different quality of 68. Yeah, I guess there is a trade off between good weather in Pismo and affordability in Flagstaff. So, Check our blog posts if you want to do a side-by-side -side comparison. Again, that's hoptoit.fm forward slash blog. All right. Let's draw our tarot cards. All right. Uh, I'll go. Okay. Actually, because uh, mine's interesting. We should have just Roche and Bode, but I don't know how. All right. Mine was justice. Now, <laughs> I laugh. Because the last one for Pismo Beach was the same exact card. It sure was. And we got the same score, too. <laughs> Ooh, whoa. <sighs> Just blew my mind there. I didn't even put that together while I was reading. This was really funny because it's like cards. You can pull the same card in a different uh, question and have different results from yes. the same card, right? Yeah. Shouldn't be dramatically different, but uh, context matters. So this was interesting because with the justice card, it's the balance again. But last time it was like, oh, this is all fun. This time it was way different. So I think the balance just comes in. It's going to be affordable. Um, it's a practical place to be, but I don't think it ticks off a lot of boxes. So justice, um, also, I should say, back up a little bit. It's the major arcana. Mm -hmm. It's the 11. So... It's 11 of the major arcana. And also I pull from a deck called the Handle Tarot deck. So symbology is just a little different on each deck. And for this justice card, it holds things in balance. So it actually has the old time scale where you have two plates that have something on them and they're completely in line. So I think it is just evaluating, are things affordable? Um, I think it would be livable because it's very similar to Colorado. I've already done something like that weather-wise. So now I've been in California, I don't know. So did you, in Pismo Beach, you really read the justice card as things being out of balance. And this time you're kind of suggesting that things are a little bit more in balance. Yeah. Any thoughts on to the difference? Context. Yeah. Yeah. So really feeling the energy of the cards, right? Because it's like, 
not about reading the definition that comes with the card. Think of cards as like a fixed point and think of your question as a rope tethered to that fixed point. So depending on when you spin it around, like the you know tetherball, it could be in a different perspective, right? It could be you know east west whatever and so same thing with the card for me i am in pismo beach thinking oh there's a lot of fun happening right and so that's the balance that i need to try and control too much fun we're here that wasn't a factor like too much fun wasn't an energy that was felt here it yeah. was exciting but it wasn't sorry exciting is the wrong word it was enjoyable but it wasn't overwhelming wine country with beaches and incredible sunsets every day right so yeah Cool. You ready for me? Yeah. Okay. So once again, I'm using Luminous Void Tarot. And this is funny. Okay. So I did not pull the same card, but I had a similar situation come up where this question of balance came in. And it's the Two of Discs. Now, the Two of Discs is actually a funny card for me because it's something I pull pretty regularly on my day to day. And so I'm really familiar with this card. And it's this feeling of having a juggling act like there's a lot on your plate and you have to kind of keep all your balls in the air and so it usually indicates to me some level of being really busy and working really hard to maintain balance so (laughs) it's kind of funny I feel like they're a little bit connected not only that but it's a two a two yours was an 11 which Mm -hmm. numerology would turn into a two right? One plus one. Yeah. Yeah, Yours has the two scales. Mine has the two discs, right? And so there's some level of like balancing and duality. And um, when you pull the two of discs, usually it's suggesting that you can maintain the balance. Like you're doing a juggling act. You're busy. So imagine a day like you have to go to work. You have to pick up the kids. You have to drop them off at swim camp. You have to make dinner. You have like that kind of energy that kind of day but somehow you pull it off right so the two of this suggests that you're going to pull it off but it's going to be busy and you're going to have to figure out how to keep things in balance so that was that I don't really know why Flagstaff is pulling that for us Hmm. I'm like I, I literally am trying to like like for Pismo it was really easy to imagine like what the lifestyle would look like here yeah. i can't really imagine what the lifestyle would look like so i figure i would just be doing my normal thing working right. hard <laughs> now what do you think like so uh each of the minor arcade kind of have a uh, a filter and so disc is like work-based yeah. filter. yeah yeah so this one would be work career money and so you know that's probably why I get it a lot because many of my days are focused around work, career, money, and like balancing all the things that are associated with that. Yeah, so. she's a businesswoman. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, good reading. Okay. Uh, we'll figure out what this all means towards the end of the season, but yeah, because we're looking at kind of reviewing all of this at the end and see what importance we get from it at that point. Yep, that's it for us. Two weeks and we're out, but... The conversation doesn't have to end here. Tell us what we missed. Share your love for Flagstaff, Arizona. We want to hear from you. Email us at hello at hoptoit.fm. Include the city in the subject line. 
Wish us luck. We're hopping to Santa Fe, New Mexico next. Woohoo! If you like us and want to hear more, please rate and follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Bonus points if you tell two friends. You know how these things start. One friend tells another friend about us. And, and they, they tell, tell two friends, friends. And they, they tell their friends. And, and so on and so on. Read it. Read it. I forgot where we're from. Read it. Read it. Read it. Read it. Read it. <laughs> <laughs>